1: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the
0: family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai-Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Dequan Jones. Wilson, looking
1: into zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown
0: for Zach Wilson. And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones had just caught flat footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit a when he got the handoff. And it's
1: the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you.
3: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like A Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like A Jet1. And it is time for part one of the weekend mailbag. So for that, we bring in the host of Pace's Playbook over on the Play Like A Jet YouTube channel, Kayla Pace. So let's start answering some questions. Question comes in from Roddy Dubois. He says, How would you feel about the Jets throwing the bag at several different players in free agency? And he gives a couple of examples. Chandler Jones, J.C. Jackson, Dalton Schultz, and then there are some others. I would throw the bag at J.C. Jackson if he becomes available. The problem is I would be shocked if he doesn't get franchise tagged by the Patriots. Remember, they've got a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract, so they've got money to play with. They are not going to let an all-pro corner at 25 years old walk out the door for nothing. So I expect a franchise tag there. I would consider throwing the bag at Devontae Adams if he became available, but another situation where I cannot imagine Devontae Adams becomes available, and if somehow he did, I would think he's going to go wherever it is Aaron Rodgers goes if Rodgers leaves Green Bay. I wouldn't throw the bag at Chandler Jones. He's a great player, but he's getting up there in age. He's in his 30s. Then you have him and Carl Lawson. You're paying both of them a ton of money. Lawson continues to be an injury risk. So I just think Chandler Jones is more of a move for a team that's right on the verge of competing for a championship. I don't know that throwing the bag would be the best term for this, but if there was one free agent that I realistically think could make it to free agency and that I'd be willing to spend top dollar on, As far as his position and the players that play there and what they all tend to make at the top, it would be Marcus Williams because, again, he's 25 years old. He's one of the best at the position, and I think you could get him for about $14 or something in that range, and I'm almost positive he's making it to free agency. So if you could fill that need, it alleviates the issue of having to get a safety in the draft. You could still do it, obviously, because they're going to need two starters looking at what they have at safety right now. That's... what it's realistic because those guys that they have right now are not going to be able to start you don't want to rely on Ashton Davis or Elijah Riley so that would be my number one guy that I would quote throw the bag at but by bag we mean relative to other safeties not 20 million dollars or anything like that but sure if JC Jackson or Devontae Adams somehow shake loose of course you throw the bag at them but I don't expect that to happen
2: yeah, no, I have to agree with you. I mean, in the event that J.C. Jackson is available, you you have to have you have to throw the bag at him. There's not really another option. Um, you can't just let a guy like that walk off without any kind of effort. Like you, you got to get in there and, and bid high. Um, I think um, that Dalton Schultz is like a great guy to go after. I really would like to. I mean, like I said earlier, I think that the the Cowboys have kind of th- thrown in the rumor mill that they might tag him, but I think that. In the present state of the Jets offense, right now, paying a tight end that can really play is going to make like the biggest difference for Zach Wilson's development. Like The Jets do have wide receivers that can play, um, but I think that adding in like a true tight end that, uh, for one, can catch, um, that would be great. But I think that like in this offensive scheme, like that would make the biggest difference in Zach Wilson's growth. And while, like I said, you're not really looking to pay like a crazy, crazy amount this upcoming season for a free agent, that's a that's one where at the position value of what it's going to do for the development of Zach Wilson, that you really have to consider looking at and and paying that money for, paying that premium because if you can put a tight end in this offense, that gives Zach Wilson, like that opens the playbook. It, it gives him so much more that he can work with and look for. And I mean, we've seen Dalton Schultz play for the Cowboys this season, being a legitimate like open target in the red zone. And like it's, it Zach Wilson struggled to have somebody like that this season, and uh, there's not really been like a. A go-to per se there's been a rotation of injured guys and backups and wilson hasn't had the ability to build like a ton of chemistry with anyone at least in regular gameplay i think that you get a guy like dalton schultz out there and that changes and that that becomes a go-to target and we've seen that he's capable of doing that so that's a guy that i would definitely like to add um for experience purposes and scheme purposes um but yeah, like I said before, I mean, you're not going to crazy overpay for anyone this year, I don't think. Maybe one or two guys. But um, I also love what you've said about Marcus Williams. Like, I didn't really the – sa- the safety question was one that I wasn't really sure how to answer. But, like, with the, with the Saints looking to unload and a guy of that caliber on the market, if they can get him for uh, – like, him over other safeties, like you said, Scott, um, I mean, it just – it makes sense to pay that kind of money for him. it'll fill that hole and not really make it where, okay, we have to use premium draft capital on this position that what I really think, I mean, of course it's crucial to have out there, but it's more of a finishing touches kind of position to put an elite guy at that spot. So you can pay Marcus Williams, get a young guy who's ready to go out there and play, you know, is capable of making those plays and not have to spend primary draft capital on on that position when it's not going to be the thing that turns the team around. And there's plenty of guys that you can draft in this draft that will make turnaround like for the team impact. And you got to go after people like that in the draft. So Marcus Williams, I definitely think, should be a a free agency target. And the Jets should go after him hard.
3: And just to clarify, I would be thrilled to see the Jets go after Jesse Bates or Justin Reed. The difference between those two guys and Marcus Williams is – I'm pretty sure Williams hits the open market, those two guys I don't think will, I think they're going to end up getting franchise tagged, so we'll see, if they hit the open market then I would go after one of those three guys, whichever are available, Williams most certainly going to be available, the other two we'll have to wait and see Next question comes in from Andy B. He says, Is there more to the Beckton situation than the obvious physical issues related to the injury? I keep hearing veiled references from some on the Jets beat that he needs to come back with the right mindset. I think what happened here is that Beckton suffered a pretty serious injury, especially for a man his size, six foot seven, 360 pounds. Anytime you have a problem with the knee, it's not going to be great and it's going to take a long time to recover. But I think what they're probably frustrated about is, as Ed Valley said when he was on the show for the Jets 2022 offseason roundtable, he discussed this. His wife is a doctor, and so they would talk about this injury a lot because he bothers her with football injuries. I'm sure she loves that. Honey, honey, (laughs) this guy got hurt. Can you tell me about such and such injury? Honey, honey, can you tell me about this? She's probably at some point saying, just look it up on Wikipedia, Ed. Stop bothering me. I'm trying to treat patients. But what he said is that they discussed this and what worried him and her through him, because I don't think she cares about the Jets, but still she cares about his happiness and his happiness, like ours, is in large part tied to what this football team does, which is probably why we're all insane. Yeah. <laughs> What he said worried him by talking to her is that they didn't have any update on the injury throughout the season. It was supposed to be a four- to eight-week injury that turned into an entire season injury. And when Salah and the staff would get asked about it, they'd say, we have no update, we have no update. And then finally, at the end of the year, it was, oh, well, I guess he's not going to play. Now, Chris Nimbley and I on the show had said all along we had a feeling they were going to shut him down, and we thought it was probably for the best considering the way the season was going. But that's alarming, and I think part of it is that Becton may have put on weight while he was trying to rehab the injury, mostly because when a guy that big can't work out or can't exercise at the level that he's used to to keep that weight off it's easy to put on 20 30 pounds or however much that's just reading between the tea leaves what it seemed happened is that Becton had put on weight it made it harder for him to come back and that's where you're at and again it's not like I think Becton was being irresponsible necessarily it's just that when you're that big and you can't do cardio and the type of things that would keep the weight off of you That's going to happen from time to time. So I think they want to make sure that he starts eating lean again. And when he was on the show, right after he got drafted and I asked him about his diet, he talked about eating lean proteins and vegetables primarily. He'll get back to that. He'll lift, he'll do his cardio, he'll get back in tip-top shape And I think that's what they're looking for So I think if you're asking what is the reason that you're hearing these veiled references from the Jets beat I think that's probably what they're hinting at And yes, it is something that Becton is going to have to take care of I'm not super worried about his discipline. I think he'll be fine. If you remember, before training camp, there were videos of him working out, and he looked like he was in great shape, so I think he'll be okay. As far as the injuries, though, that's a different story. A kneecap injury, that's not some sort of chronic thing that continues over and over again. He hasn't had a history of the same exact injuries, but the injuries have piled up, so it's worth watching there. And certainly, that would make you nervous as a Jets fan whenever you see a guy that big who's had several injuries injuries
2: yeah I mean I obviously I don't have any inside source on on Beckton. I won't pretend that I know um, like what's going on with him but I do think that one thing that you have to look at as a Jets fan and feel at least a little optimism given the little information that we know is Beckton's enthusiasm about the team I mean it's very clear that he watches every Sunday he tweets through the games like a lot of the fans do he wants to be back out there consistently reiterates that I mean, I think that, like, it, Scott, if what you said is true, like, if, if he's just, like, gained a lot of weight not being able to do cardio, I mean, you can't really blame that on him, you know? Like, I know I know, fans are, like, uh, some people at least are looking and are kind of frustrated with him. I mean, when you're, like you said, when you're a guy that big and you can't do cardio because you're injured, I mean, it's not really on him that that he's gaining weight. Uh, he's used to being a, a high-level athlete that's going out there and working out all the time. So, it's, it's definitely a complicated situation. And I think it's not like it's an isolated incident to Becton. I mean, I'm like plenty of linemen have trouble coming back because they're big dudes and it's harder to work through an injury, especially one where it requires you to be putting your full weight on it when, when you're a lineman. And that's just kind of how it is. And when your body is built that way and trained that way for that position, like you have to be able to go through your workouts to, to stay in that shape. And, um, it's definitely a tough situation. And like, I'm rooting for him to come back. But I mean, Becton is clearly expressing enthusiasm for this team wants to be a part of it. And I think that's the key because then once he's healed and he can get back in training shape, like he can, he can put his money where his mouth is and, and get out there and work hard with the team. And I don't think that that's ever really been in question, at least from my perspective, like he seems like a guy that really wants to be out there with his teammates and he's constantly tweeting about their, like when a player has a good game, he's tweeting about it, encouraging. Like, I think that those are all good signs that um, regardless of his physical health, which like I said, in some cases, the gaining weight, you can't really help given his condition. Um, he's He's a guy that wants to get out there and play. And so if injury is a consistent problem for him, that's that's unfortunate because I would love him to be a franchise staple guy, like because he clearly wants to be. And um, but it it appears that whatever he can do from his end, he is going to do to get out there and play with those guys because he really seems to love the team. And I think that if all you heard from Becton was radio silence, then there's a lot more to be concerned about um, than just oh, is his ankle okay? But for to me, it appears. Once he's good to go, he's going to be out there and excited to be out there. And I, I think that that's kind of an, an underrated part, especially for a team like, like the Jets where you hear a guy like Joe Douglas saying, oh, we want character guys. I think that Becton is a, a, a guy that's going to bring positivity to the locker room. So um, hopefully he heals up and it plays out that way for him. Um, I'm I'm rooting for him to come back and, and be his, his top tier self. Um, but – That's kind of up to how the injury heals. And um, as little information as we know, we'll have to see how that plays out in the long run.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com.
3: Next question comes in from Brian Fields. He says, if the Jets get caught at number four, what do you think they'll do? And if they trade down to the mid-teens, what do you think they'll recoup picks-wise? And then Carl Wilms adds, What would you want the Jets to do if they can't get Thibodeau, Hutchinson, or Neal? I love Kyle Hamilton, but I don't see Joe Douglas spending a first-round pick on a safety, even though some people say he's a generational talent. And if you want to learn more about Kyle Hamilton, you should absolutely listen to the show we did with Joe Blewett breaking down Kyle Hamilton's film. Is he truly a generational prospect? Joe broke down his tape and had observations, and I thought it was interesting. I really love talking to Joe about that because I thought he answered a lot of questions for people that haven't watched as much Kyle Hamilton as he has now, and certainly you hear all this talk about him being a generational prospect, and it can't miss, so you want to hear more about him, and you want to hear the nitty-gritty broken down on the tape, and Joe did a great job, so if you haven't listened to that show yet, go ahead and check it out. As far as what I would do and what I think the Jets will do at number four if they don't trade out, here's how I look at it. There's four guys that I would have on my board for the number four overall pick. And I'm not going to rank them, but it would be Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Evan Neal, and Ika McQuannu, the offensive tackle from North Carolina State. Whichever of those four is there... I'm taking them. If more than one is there, great. That's a phenomenal problem to have, and I would worry about it then. I would take one of the two pass rushers over one of the two tackles just because I think the need is greater at pass rusher, and I think all four are right there on the same level. But if Aquanu is there at number four in this scenario, like you said, if Thibodeau, Hutchinson, and Neal are off the board, I'm taking Aquanu, no question about it. So that's how I would approach this. I would then slide Aquanu to guard and have him start year one there because Aquanu has experience playing guard. He did it part of his sophomore year at NC State. I do the same thing with Evan Neal, by the way. He was a guard his freshman year at Alabama. And then you've got either one of those two guys with Elijah Vera Tucker. Your tackle situation is Makai Becton and George Fant, which if healthy, is pretty good. And then you've also got a Kwanu as insurance in case Beckton gets hurt again or Fant gets hurt again, because remember, Fant is coming off an injury. And then after Fant's contract expires at the end of 2022, you slide a Kwanu or Neil over to tackle, and you've got one of them with Makai Beckton. So that's what I would do if those three guys are gone. As far as a trade back, what could you get sliding back into the teens? It's interesting because usually the price is much higher if you're talking about trading out of the spot and somebody coming up to get a quarterback, I actually think you're more likely to have a team trade up to number 10 with you for a quarterback because I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to go as high as number 4. So let's say a team like the Browns or the Vikings wanted to trade from 12 or 13, or the Eagles wanted to trade up from 15, all the way up to number 4. You might be looking at something like a 2, a 3, and a 4, maybe a next year's 1 and a 2, maybe a next year's one and a three if it's the Eagles maybe they give you two of their first round picks to jump up maybe it would be like 15 and 21 I think those are two of their picks something along those lines is what you might be able to get but I just don't know if this is going to be a seller's market at the top of this draft I think it's more of a buyer's market just because there isn't a quarterback there for somebody to jump up and be desperate about so that'd be my answer there that's what I would do if I was sitting at number four and couldn't trade out and that's probably what you're looking at value-wise, although I don't know that it's realistic to get a ton in a trade down. I think if anything, maybe you could flip down a couple of spots and pick up an extra third or something like that.
2: Yeah, um, so I know me and you have similar similar perspectives on the, on the fourth overall pick. Um, I think that if um, Hutchinson, uh, Thibodeau, or Neal is not there, then um, I would be looking to trade back because I think that there's a lot of Uh, value in the first two rounds of the draft and I think you could get a lot of quality players um, at at any of the later first round picks or or whatever it may be that you get um, for number four overall Um, I think that though the what I could and similarly to you I think that what I could see them doing at four is drafting a tackle uh, or an offensive lineman in general. I think that that goes along with Joe Douglas's um, like plan for the team and what he prioritizes as having his depth positions and, and things like that. Um, I do think, though, that – like I mean, I wouldn't be mad about a quality tackle or lineman um, at that position at number four. I think that it wouldn't be my first choice. But if it's going to be a difference maker, I'm all about building up the offensive line. That's totally fine with me. Um, that being said, I do think that it's likely that we do see Douglas trade around in this draft, but because there are no major quarterback prospects, um, it might be a little bit harder to get, uh, a buyer for the fourth overall. Um, I do think that it's a possibility because there's always somebody willing to make some crazy move. I mean. It always stands out to me that the Giants taking Daniel Jones at six. That's always what I think of when I think um, ridiculously early quarterback picks. But, I, I mean, there's always going to be somebody and maybe someone sees that that prospect in this draft, but it, it remains to be seen at this point. So as for what they could get trading back into the teens, I think that uh, I, I've said this before on the podcast, but my ideal first-round scenario if they trade back is coming away with a corner Uh, a pass rusher, and a wide receiver. That's what I would like to prioritize. Um, I think that there's plenty of guys in this draft that can fill those needs um, and be quality NFL starters in in this draft. I think that there's a very good selection of wide receivers and a ton of which could fit what the Jets are trying to do with their offensive scheme. Um, I know we talked about Traylon Burks. I like him. Um, I think that there's plenty of highly skilled players that could come in and play wide receiver. Um, and then as for a corner, I would prioritize uh, sauce Gardner. I know we talked about him plenty, um, but he's definitely my, my top corner in this draft. I don't really want Derek Stingley again, something I've talked about before on the podcast, but um, I do think that one of those, two will probably be what the jets would target i hope they come away with gardner and that's what i would like to do with like the 10th pick um but and then there's there's some good pass rushers later on in the first round as well um i'm personally thinking because i'm a homer game cox kingsley <laughs> or jj Anigbare, um he is been huge for the Gamecocks over the last couple seasons i think that originally before the season started projected as a first round pick now he's kind of late first, early second kind of guy. But what I'm saying is there's plenty of depth and talent in this draft, especially through the first two rounds. So um, I think that you can fill those needs, but definitely what I'm looking at is corner wide receiver pass rusher in the first round, if you're able to trade back into the teens and But I do think that it's quite likely that Joe Douglas does go after a tackle. And again, wouldn't be mad about that. I think that's a perfectly viable uh, need to fill. The depth on the offensive line is always going to be crucial, especially in this day and age when there's so many injuries um, on the lines and not just on the Jets across the league. So it's definitely something I would more than willing to spend draft capital on.
3: That's going to wrap up part one of the mailbag. We'll have part two for you tomorrow. In the meantime, follow Kayla on Twitter at KP underscore on underscore TV. Make sure you check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from down under, Luke Grant, has got some great videos up there taking a look at Dalton Schultz, who could be a Jets target, free agency at tight end. Speaking of tight end, he's got a great video up there of Trey McBride, the tight end out of Colorado State, and what he thinks McBride could do for the Jets offense if the Jets were to draft him. He's got a video up reviewing Zach Wilson's most recent performance against the Buffalo Bills and breaking down how he went from being a turnover-prone quarterback to a turnover-free quarterback. That's all on our YouTube channel right now, so check out those videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's tee We've got the John Franklin Myers Quentin Williams Bless You Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, mugs, hoodies, caps. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's tee And make sure you give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a step
1: into the world of power loyalty
2: Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty,